Hello and welcome to The Family Business. I'm your host, Shannon. I'm Donna. And I'm Zee. And we are joined once again tonight by... Uh, hi, I'm Kaz. Alright, so Kaz hasn't been with us since Season 1, Episodes 3 and 4, if I'm not mistaken, so welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. Tonight we are going to be discussing Episode 7, entitled The Usual Suspects. And with this episode, we have Sam and Dean getting caught by the police, and a lot of the issues from episode six of season one, entitled Skin, which was Z's favorite, gets brought back up. Yeah, I'm getting an ugly look right now. But it gets brought back up uh, in the fact that Dean allegedly killed someone and himself died, but then they're realizing, oh, hey, he didn't die. So we're dealing with all of that, and in the mix gets thrown what they believe is a vengeful spirit who is killing a bunch of various people around town. Z, I know we've dealt with vengeful spirits before, but we've got a few other things, I'm sure. Uh, what did you find out lore-wise for this episode? Uh, so in the end, they decided that she wasn't a vengeful spirit. They decided she was a death omen. Right. And I really couldn't find anything as far as humans go uh, for death omens, except for like one thing, which was woman in white, which is a different thing in right. the supernatural universe. And that's, I think it's English and German. Yeah, English and German, and it just means that if you see her, you're going to die. And I thought that was kind of interesting because they put Claire in white. Right. So yes. I think that was kind of like a the, the little thing that they drew there. But as far as supernatural lore that we learn, that there's a difference between like vengeance and justice to the, like very different to the spirits. Right. Was, oh. I got a question though. Was this yeah. also the first time we have a good undead ghost? Undead, no. undead ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the living ghosts. Um, it kind of, kind of, but kind of not. Because, like, when you think about, like, the uh, Bloody Mary episode, the, the father in the painting was also kind of, like, guarding Mary in the... That wasn't no, Bloody that Mary. Wasn't Mary was that? No, that was... Uh, yeah, that was the one with the, with the creepy kid ghost. Yes. Well, because I noticed uh, I really was happy whenever... Sam was knocking down the wall and finding the body, being like, this is so strange. Why would she, you know, yeah. take us right to it? And I'm glad that he didn't just immediately go, well, we found it, might as well just salt and burn it. He was like, no, something is weird. Yeah. Let's investigate. It was Providence. Providence, yeah. Episode so, 19. So, but yeah, so the, the father was kind of guarding, trying to guard the little girl in that one. So I guess right. he was good, but he also wasn't like the main spirit. Right. Mm -hmm. so this is kind of the first episode where the, the good... The, 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 the monster and, of the episode, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, was, was not an evil monster. Right. Also, just to like, whenever Sam was breaking open that that wall, he was like elbowing it open. Yes. I was like, the fucking brick wall. Like, that's not <laughs> happening right now. It's not. Well, and the thing is, is that he started it using like a metal bar or right. something. It's like... Dude, why don't you just keep using that? Obviously, it was effective. Mm. And, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the hand that is broken. No, he was using his left because the right yes. is oh, broken. Okay. Okay, just but still, I mean, that that's is, how you break your fucking elbow. Yeah, that right? is a so, good, good way to snap that right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, Donna, anything about the episode that you wanted to point out or bring up? Linda Blair! Yay! Mm. Z? So, what can you tell us about Linda Blair? <laughs> so, so I found out that she is the, the um, little girl in The Exorcist, which I have seen. It's like the first movie ever that's gotten mentioned that I've seen. 
So I'm going to say I've never seen The Exorcist, but I still know who Linda Blair is. Okay, I don't watch scary shit like that. Now, the funny thing is, is I've seen the iconic scenes. I've seen the pea soup scene. I've seen the stare scene. I've seen the I need a young priest and an old priest. I, I've seen all of that, but I haven't actually like seen the entire movie all the way through. The other thing I noticed was several references to The Shining. Yes. They, they like to make references to The Shining. This isn't the first episode either. No. no. Yeah. But in this one, when Dean made the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, that mm-hmm. was a Shining reference. Yeah. And then Red later Red. on he refers to Red Rum. Yes. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah. Yep. They also made more than one X-Files reference, I believe. They had the uh, Mulder and Scully. Of Who Was Scully. Of yeah. Who Was Scully. And Dean calling Sam a red-headed woman. And what was the other one? I guess I missed I, another one. I can't remember, but I remember being like, that's the second one. Kaz, what about you? Anything in particular that stuck out to you in the episode? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One of them was, I would really like to know how Sam escaped that room. Right? Like, I, I was really expecting there to be some sort of something. Like, what what I thought was he was going to go out, look, go, you know, the thing's over here. Where'd he go? Come back in, and Sam was going to be like on the ledge, like around the corner, <laughs> and then going to come back in or something. That never happened. It was just, it's just chalked up to Sam just escaped, which, yeah, that's fine. I, I kind of assumed that he like opened the window and like made the blinds all crooked to look like he went through it, and then he just like walked out the door. It was like, here's, I like some, that idea. here's some surprise. I wonder, because I have seen The Great Escape, but I don't remember it, so I actually wonder if the answer to how he escaped is in The Great Escape. I don't, they tunneled out, didn't they? They tunneled yeah, out, they but was. but they make mention to Steve McQueen. Right. Okay, and his character uh, famously jumped over the uh, barbed wire fences in the end with the motorcycle. Yes. Okay, he didn't so, do that either. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which he also didn't actually escape because he landed in the middle and they caught him. Yes. Um, so, But he originally got out through a tunnel. So I was like, maybe he got out through a tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, there were a few, at least for me, issues with this episode where the police are concerned. Number one, there are no windows in interrogation rooms ever because people will try to get out of them. Right. Now, uh, Donna is going to correct me. Well, we do have Dean and Sam in different types of rooms. Yeah, Dean and Sam are in different types of rooms. Sam was not nearly in as much trouble as Dean. I was getting ready to say he wasn't under arrest, but I think he was under arrest. He was still a suspect, and he was. they were looking at charging him potentially. Yeah. I think so, if, if he were to get a public defender, then he had to have been have charges brought against him. But the thing is, is that Sam wasn't the one who got the public defender. It was Dean. Dean sent the public defender to Sam. Yeah, but so, right, yeah, I kind—I don't know—I kind of felt like that they are treating it like he was also Sam's public defender. I believe they were because the defender was said, "We know we need to talk about your case, right?" Yeah. So, or, or what could possibly happen? Also, but, also they found Sam because of the matchbook in Dean's pocket, and I'm like, no judge would issue a warrant for you to go into a, a private like business and arrest somebody based on a matchbook. Like they just wouldn't. It depends on what they were looking at, because Sam would be an accessory to murder, potentially. Right. And so he, a judge could issue a warrant for that. Here's the thing, too, is that if that was the case, people would just go into businesses and hide out all the time. Well, yeah, but I feel like a matchbook. Like, did, did they have an arrest warrant, though? We don't know. It's never brought up. They broke down the door. Also, how did they know what room he was in? The, they, did they break down the door? Yeah, they used a... <laughs> Oh, they did. They did. They did. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking of the, of the second time she shows up at his door. Yeah. But, see, the, but another issue that I had with this was the fact whenever Pete is taking Dean at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they kind of try to sweep it under the rug, but I'm sorry, no freaking police department is going to allow a detective mm -hmm. to transport a criminal of any kind, especially one who's being extradited, mm -hmm. to a different State. They were playing pretty fast and loose with a lot of yes police procedures. Yeah, we're we're having we're having uh, uh, movie rules. Yeah, yes. for these police procedures for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. And I just started out my one of my first notes, other than Linda Blair, was always ask for a lawyer and never tell the police anything. <laughs> right. So that is free advice. Even if you're not a suspect, if they start asking you some off the wall questions, the first thing you say is, "I want a lawyer." It never helps you to talk to police. Ever. That is, that is not cop hate here. That yeah. is just, it never helps you. Yes, don't ever do it. And the bad thing, too, that people don't know is once you start talking to the police, if you start giving them information, then you can't turn around and say, oh, I plead the fifth. But once you start talking, you're talking. So ask for a liar. Mm-hmm. Which, that actually brings me into <laughs> my next point. Yay! Uh, I really liked... Uh, so obviously the title's The Usual Suspects, which is not a callback to another famous movie. Right. And we kind of have, uh, I'm, I'm gonna try not to spoil The Usual Suspects. Yeah, it's been out, whatever. It's been out. Yeah, it's been out. Uh, and Kevin Spacey was in it, so fuck that. Oh, there we go, yeah. So we have the scene where he's explaining, ex you know, bluffing to the detective, and then we get to see the real thing. Which I thought, on the one hand, with the starting of the episode, I thought, yeah. we were gonna see a fake story, and then, you know, why? So they didn't really use, I felt, use it as much as they could have. Right. But it did illustrate how good Sam and Dean are at keeping their story straight. Yes. Even 100% separated, it's like, no, we already got this all worked out. And the fact that you have that shown, and also that in a show where a lot of people get killed, there's deaths all the time, the police are involved. The police are like, like the police don't just not exist. It's mm -hmm. just... This is showing how good Sam and Dean are at usually evading them right. with a good story. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing that showed how in sync Sam and Dean are is with the public defender whenever they both called him Matlock. <laughs> and he, him <laughs> yeah. saying, yeah, you guys really are brothers, aren't you? So I have a question. Yes. Because when this came out, it was about 2006. Yes. Yes. So I was in like the sixth grade. And I, like, my mom did not own a fax machine, but she also was, like, a teacher, so she didn't have a reason to own a fax machine. But did people actually keep fax machines in their bedrooms? He was, he was uh, a lawyer, but, yeah, I, I, that may have been a home office. It, the thing is, there was too, a bed in there. The, the one in the home was a printer, not a fax machine. It was in his office. It was a fax machine. But the one at the the one in the home was a printer it just that we saw. Like we had printers, but that one made so much noise. I was like, that's gotta be a fax. If machine. it was a printer and not a fax machine, it's not going to go off at three in the morning while you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a feeling that was their bedroom, due to the fact that she was going in the closet looking for the flashlight, all of those things. And also with her husband, with the job that he did, it would make sense for him to have a printer near the bed yeah. so that he could like print stuff off, read it while he's in bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. So so one thing that I thought was really cool was the correlation of the ligature marks on, yeah. uh, on I keep wanting to call her Linda, and I know that's not her Diana. name. Diana. Diana, thank you. On her wrists and on Claire's wrists, and I thought that that was and really Karen. cool. 
Yes, and Karen. I thought that was really cool how they, they kept that correlation Something going. Something else they did I thought was really neat. I've actually got a one-two uh, when Dean was in the van with just one. Why the fuck are his hands in front? Yes. Mm. Just no. Yes. But what that did allow you to see was that his hands were bound the same way. Right. Um, he had the same kind of cuffs on. Yes. Mm. Also, that necklace that, the, that, that Claire and Diana had was really pretty. It really was. You got good taste, even if you're a douchebag. Yeah. Just remember, <laughs> never give the same gift to your heroin dealer as you give to your girlfriend. Okay? Well, so I'm Those are words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good rule. Um, the other thing that I had an issue with, okay, we've got two cops who are obviously in love with each other. They're dating. But you can see that they don't want anybody else to know that they're a couple. So what do they do? They kiss in the middle of a fucking police department. Right. I was super suspicious when that happened. Like, it was, I wasn't like, oh, they have a thing. I was like, the fuck you guys up to? I actually wrote down, I do not like the way he touches her. Yeah. When he, when he grabbed her chin, and then they're just, everything about the way he touched her was really creepy. And then after he kissed her, I was like, wait, no, I still don't like it. Well, <laughs> and, and he was so dismissive of her, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, she's obviously a fucking police detective, just like you are. She's obviously just as capable as yeah. you are, or else she wouldn't be in this position. She keeps her shit together. Yes, mm -hmm. and he's dismissing her like she's some rookie beat cop yeah. or something. So, yeah, he... The actor had the douchebag thing down to he a fucking really science, did. because, yeah, that was that was just absolutely gross. Okay, guys, at this time, we are going to go ahead and take a break. You can find us anywhere that fine podcasts are sold. And if you would go to one of those places and give us a rate, review, or subscribe, that would be really cool. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Instagram and also on Tumblr, and I will let Z tell you about that. Yeah, we're on Tumblr with all of our other sister casts at uh, snarkcasts.tumblr.com, and we're also on Instagram at thefamilybusiness underscore spnfancast, and on Twitter at tfb underscore and finally, I'd like to thank the Gumby Cat Networks for giving us a home. You can find all kinds of good podcasts there. There's Dungeons & Dragons podcasts, art and culture podcasts, TV, movies, film. So swing by GumbyCatNetworks.com and check out all the excellent entertainment available for your ears there. So before we get into the female aspect of this episode, I wanted to point out yet another thing that really just... I was like, what the fuck are you doing? So Dean and Pete... It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. We know it's at, at least 2 o'clock in the morning. So we don't know what time it is whenever Sam and Diana show up. But after Diana shoots Pete and he's down for the count and all of this, it's night. And then the next scene, it's fucking daylight. And they're like, oh, hey, we should probably get out of here. It's like, yeah, you probably should have fucking got out of there like four hours ago, dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? How long were you standing there just like, oh, God. God it's like it was a night at the winter, the summer solstice in Oklahoma or something. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was like, it's come on, guys. Back to our bugs episode. Yeah. Yes. The shortest fucking night ever. So, well, yeah. That was the spring solstice, too. So it wasn't even like the shortest night of the year. Spring equinox. Yes. 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 That's what I was solstice. looking for. Thank okay. you. Well, okay. But yeah, so that was another thing where I was just like, okay, guys, come on, what the fuck? But yeah. Anyway. All right, so Donna, as I said, would you go ahead and touch on the female aspect of this episode? Yeah, actually, I really appreciated some of the work they did with their treatment of the female characters, including that it was a female cop who arrested Dean. 
and had lines. But of course, you know, the main female character in this episode was Diana, played by Linda Blair, and I really liked her. I mean, yes. she was cool and calm and collected, and even when there's a gurgling ghost coming at her with a slit throat and red eyes, you know, she was calling for help, yes, but she was not eek and running away. She was, you know, keeping her shit together. And she shot her boyfriend, lover, and was like, you know what, I'm just going to turn my back and let you guys go. Yeah. Yeah, so throughout this whole thing, she was very cool, very collected. I really liked that scene where she realizes that Claire has the same necklace as her. Yeah. And she was just like, yeah, I know that necklace. This is some bullshit. Like, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't like, she wasn't like, oh no, he gave her some, the same necklace that he gave me. Like, she was just like, this is fucked up. But like, <laughs> what the hell? And Am that's I? exactly what her face said. Was, yes. Oh, fuck no. Right. Fuck this. Oh. <laughs> and what I liked about that, that scene too is the fact that Sam was like, yo, dude, your your boyfriend, probably a murderer, and she didn't have to do the whole, oh, no, it can't possibly be true. She's like, nope, bitch is going down. Mm-hmm. So she didn't take any convincing whatsoever that Pete was a scumbag, douchebag, murderer. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay, yep, totally buy it. We're going to go fuck him up. So anything else, any other female characters, any other great moments um, from the episode? You know, this isn't actually so much a female thing, it's just a general comment. When Karen saw something and then she took off her glasses, what the fuck? Why did she take off her glasses? I mean, in fact, it was actually blurry after right. she took off her glasses. So, I don't know, it was just it was just a weird thing for me that she took off her glasses. Yeah, because... It, it reminded me of, like, whenever... <laughs> Like, whenever you're driving around and you're trying to look for a place, and then you, like, turn the volume down on the radio so that's going to help you, like, I was like, that does not do anything for you. Like, what are you doing? Well, and as somebody who has worn glasses for multiple decades, I have never, like, thought I saw something and then turned around and took my glasses off to look at it. Right. Now, I have done the opposite, where it's like, oh, hey, I need my glasses so I can see what the fuck that might have been, but, yeah. I've never taken my glasses off to try to see something. But also, speaking of great expressions, her expression when Dean asked her what the woman looked like in the dream. <laughs> she was just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Dude, that, that exchange where he's like, did, did he see anything unusual? And she's like, unusual? And he's like, strange. And she's like, that's like that's still the same fucking thing. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, he's like you know, weird. And she's like... I understand synonyms. <laughs> well, and I was, and I made notes of that too. And I'm like, Dean, Dean just doesn't have the same freaking subtlety that Sam has. I mean, Sam could be there, and he could ask those questions, but he would pour on the puppy dog eyes, and he would change the tone of his voice and the lilt of his voice. And he would have them eating out of his palm, but instead he's looking at Dean like, you're a fucking idiot, shut up. Right. Dean, you know, Dean like, like he was enjoying it, too. And he's like, tell me all the dirty things. <laughs> <laughs> Kaz, any other things you want to bring up? I really love whenever a show takes perfect advantage of its uh, temporary situations. Mm-hmm. And so we have here a common thing that we have in the show where we have a, a, a normal, I don't know, they have an actual term in the show, but... Uh, you know, someone that's not aware of the occult that they have to then convince. You know, maybe they've seen something go, okay, look, let's have this conversation, blah, blah, blah. And so we see this a lot. But in this one, we get the confession scene. Yes. Which was just so great. Yeah. Because when you have a bunch of, like, hard-ass cops that are just like, give us the facts, just the facts. If he had tried to tell that any other way, he would have gotten, like, half a sentence in and be like, stop jerking around with us. Give us the truth, blah, blah, blah. 
And I mean, realistically, they probably let him talk a little bit longer right. than they would have. Right. But it still worked, I felt, just fine for him to be like, so here's the truth, wham. And obviously, it did the job. It conveyed it to the other character so mm-hmm. that she could then, you know, be like, oh, I've seen this thing. But yeah, and also the fact that Dean, I feel, really relished being like, I get to say all this stuff on camera. All this <laughs> stuff that, you know, I right. got to hold on to all the time. I don't believe it. You can have it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it was funny too that he started it out kind of like a dating video. Yeah. <laughs> giving his sides. <laughs> yeah. That that was a pretty awesome thing too. So something interesting occurred to me: how Claire is like a death omen, and so she's supposed to appear before somebody dies, um, and she was appearing to Diana before Diana was even on to Pete. So Pete probably had some kind of plan to kill her anyways. Or, since she is an omen, she knew that that what was going to transpire actually did, and so she came to she Diana early. forced the issue. The only reason Diana went to Dean was because she saw Claire. And right. so she saw Claire, she went to Dean, Dean sent her to Sam, and that's how they found out what was. So Claire actually forced the issue. Right, and we... We can't assume that the death omen means they will appear to the person that's going to die. It could just be to appear to warn of a death. And so she might have appeared to the lawyer and the wife because she didn't know who else to appear to. But the thing is, is with them, whenever she appeared to them and they died. Because Pete was on his way to kill them anyways. Yes. Right. And so... So Claire was... Yes, Diana did press the issue, but did Claire go ahead and do that anyway? Because whenever Diana was entering her notes into the database, that's whenever Claire started the whole scrolling of the, of the word that she had. And so it was before that fact at all, before she went to the bathroom, before she mm-hmm. heard Dean's confession, quote-unquote confession. So... Yeah, good point. Good point. Either that or it's just really shitty writing. Maybe the first two was Claire reacting, and then she decided, okay, enough reacting. Like, as soon as Pete's on his way to kill somebody, I'm not going to just warn that person. I'm going to, like, get ahead of this. Right. I'm going to warn somebody that can stop the next one. So right. I like that. That That is what I have just I accepted, headcanon accepted. There we go. Claire is on it. Ghost intelligence. Well, and that's possible. I mean, we haven't really seen it before, but that doesn't mean that it's not a thing, so... I don't know though, but just like like I, I totally could see that, but like Pete, the way he like touched Diana and stuff, like he was he was sinister. I do want to say the actress <laughs> that played Claire was really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, when she appeared to Diana, she looked really kind of pathetic. And when she appeared to Pete, she looked pissed off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was just I was fairly impressed. You, you take this actress and say, here's what you can do. You can hang your head and you can gurgle. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, she, and you have three seconds of screen time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she still managed to convey uh, quite a bit of emotion. I was pretty impressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I like that they were wrong about what was going on. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were well into the episode. Yes. Still thinking it was a vengeful spirit, and, and they were wrong. In fact, it did not start out to be a case at all. They went to go investigate Tony Giles, and he was just murdered. He, was, he wasn't killed by anything mysterious. So, right. uh, so it was not actually a case. And I will say, I was a little thrown because I watched the, uh, the then opener, mm-hmm. and of course we get the flashback to Skin and all of that, and so 
It's been a while since I've seen this episode, to the point where I was like, oh, I forgot Linda Blair was in so early. I thought she was in later seasons. My brain was just latched onto the skin episode. I'm like, I don't remember this being a Skinwalker episode. And then we see all the blood and everything else, and I'm like, that's a really big mess for a Skinwalker. What the fuck is going on? And then we start talking about the vengeful spirit and all of that, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just... I'm crossing my wires because I got screwed up on yeah. the the yeah. intro to the episode. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Kaz, any other things that you want to point out? Coming back to the creepy guy. Mm. <laughs> Pete. Pete, the detective and their relationship. I mean, obviously, he was being very dismissive, and it was because he wanted the case to, he wanted to pin everything on Dean. Right. So, however, it was covered up by just, you know, standard showing his bullcrap. Right. You know, not everybody that does that is trying to pin murders on people. <laughs> some, some people are just super dicks. But it did make me wonder, and I was kind of wondering if at some point we were going to find out what brought them together. Because I couldn't see why they were mm -hmm. together mm -hmm. for any other reason than that. Yeah. Yeah, because Diana could have been so much better. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I also, I was actually a little confused whenever they were walking, and they leaned up against the soda machine, and they kissed. And I was like... Okay, so is this something they're keeping secret, or is it not? And you, t you touched on this earlier, and I kind of agreed to myself. I was like, well, not, you know, just their, their PDA is weird. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he touches her weird, and that's just kind of their, their thing, I guess. Actually, yeah, you're right. There was a there was a hallway full of people. When hallway he, full of people. He touched yes. Her. Yeah, he was touching her, and they kissed right in front of the soda machine, which I love soda. So I would have totally been like, "They're kissing." <laughs> I, see I see it. You're friendly coke. <laughs> you guys need to finish up. I need one. <laughs> I I wanted to point out that like what you were saying, Shannon, about how they it started off that it wasn't the case. Like Donna they, said that. Donna said that. Sorry. So how Donna said that it wasn't even a case, like Dean even says, he says that either it's an invisible killer or somebody tampered with the tapes and like we find out that somebody probably tampered with the tapes. Yeah. Because the killer mm -hmm. was a human. I thought that was funny because almost, because right. they, they've used that sarcastically before, like somebody must be tampering with the tapes or something supernatural and it's always something supernatural mm -hmm. and then it wasn't this time. So yeah. I, I like that. And then we obviously have the, the, uh, the opposites of we believe it's an undead evil when really it's a living evil. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that is one thing that they have touched on before is the the evil that is humanity, the evil mm -hmm. that is the person mm -hmm. and everything. And honestly, I think that every time they've shown that, I think the human evil is like worse and more, more sadistic than like the, the supernatural mm -hmm. evil is. Because I mean, the supernatural evil is generally reacting to something that has happened to them. Whereas the human evil is usually acting on shit, like with the benders, they were just kidnapping people, locking them up and hunting them. Pete's a douchebag who killed somebody because she was trying to report that he had given her heroin to sell. I mean, there have been some other humans that it was just like, okay, you people are fucking scary. Mm -hmm. Even scarier than the monsters. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us, and we invite you to come back next week whenever we will be discussing Episode 8 entitled Crossroad Blues. So until then, carry on. Jerk. Bitch.
Gumby Cat Productions. Podcasts for podcast people. Meow. Meow.